Welcome to the First Baptist Barberville Weekly Sermon Podcast. At FBC Barberville, our mission is to gather, grow, give, and go. Join us for live worship on the Court Square in Barberville, Kentucky, or to learn more about our church, visit fbcbarberville.com. Here is Pastor Tyler Shields. Good Christmas. I uh, hope it's been a great time with family and friends. Uh, we've certainly celebrated Christmas pretty hard as a church family. And this morning we need to keep a few of our church family members in our prayers. We've got several folks that are sick, several still battling with COVID and other things, several in the hospital. So pray for one another. Of course, a lot of folks traveling the rest of this week. So just keep one another in your prayers. I will say this, thank you, we mentioned it last week, but I think we hit at least 100 food boxes going out um, from the deacon ministry for Christmas. We finished those up, and thanks again for everybody that contributed to that, everybody that helped deliver those. Uh, what a joy uh, to go out and take those food boxes to families that need them. Let me tell you, church, when you walk up to a home, actually I didn't even walk up to it yet, I got out of the truck and somehow these kids knew, they come running out and they said, mommy, mommy, it's the food man, and they were so excited to get a simple box of food, and it just melts your heart, and it helps you see the need right here in our own community for, for stuff like that. Last week, we celebrated hard with the children's Christmas play, some great music, uh, time of worship last Sunday night. And throughout the month of December, over the past several weeks, we've looked at the birth of Jesus from several different standpoints. We began December looking at it from a prophetical standpoint in the book of Isaiah. Then we looked at it from a historical standpoint in the book of Matthew. Last week, we looked at it from a theological standpoint in the book of John. And this morning, we're going to go back to the book of Matthew. And we're going to look at some of the spiritual implications for us looking at the story of the wise men, a story that many of us are familiar with. We've heard it all of our lives in Matthew chapter 2. Now, the story of the wise men is only found in Matthew chapter 2. It's not found anywhere else in the Gospels. And Matthew uses the story of the wise men to teach us about worshiping Jesus. And let's look at Matthew chapter 2 together, verses 1 through 12. The Bible says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star at its rising and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. And so he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people and asked them where the Messiah would be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what was written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men and asked them the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, report back to me so that I too can go worship him. And after hearing the king, they went on their way. And there it was, the star that had been that it, they had seen as it as it <laughs> at its rising 
It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. And entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. <coughs> Excuse me. His mother. And falling to their knees, they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. Some people have looked at this passage of Scripture and have said that few other passages in Scripture have been uh, interpreted more differently than any other. There's been a lot of speculation about this particular passage of Scripture. Why it's here. What does it mean? Who are these people, these wise men in Matthew chapter 2? Who are wise men? So in the ancient world, there were men who studied astrology. They studied different religions. They studied history and ancient text. And we even see in the Old Testament that wise men or magi or men like this often had the gift of interpreting dreams or providing wise counsel to kings and to rulers. And this was especially true in the east where this group of men were from, this area of Persia or Babylon, what we would call today Iraq and Iran. And so when King Nebuchadnezzar conquered Israel, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, and he took the Jews captive, if you remember back in the Old Testament, he took some of the best and brightest young men from that group and he, he, he educated them. He trained them. And out of this group, Daniel, who wrote the book of Daniel, proved that God was with him. He proved his worth. He proved that he was wiser than anybody else around him. And he actually became the chief magi or the chief over the magi or wise men of Babylon. And so if these men who visited Jesus were from Babylon, we have to wonder, how did they know about Jesus and why did they even care? So I think it goes back to the influence of Daniel. And I think Daniel's influence over this region where these men were from can't be overstated. And so even though Daniel lived, realize, several hundred years before Jesus and before these particular wise men, Daniel left behind not only his influence in this region, but he left behind some very detailed writings, even prophecies that God had given him. And so King Nebuchadnezzar, if you remember in the story of Daniel... King Nebuchadnezzar even recognized there's something special about this young man. There's something special about the God of Daniel. And you can be sure that when Daniel instructed these other wise men, these other uh, magi, that he told them about the God of Israel. And he told them about the prophecy of Daniel chapter 9, which points to the very precise moment in history when the Messiah would come. And so all these years later, as that moment in time approaches for Daniel's prophecy to be fulfilled, these wise men from the east began looking for the signs of its fulfillment. And so the Bible says they saw this star, right? And I believe that this was Jesus' special star. Matthew says it wasn't just any star, but the wise men saw his star. And so they set out following this star, and it takes them right to where Jesus would be. And they not only paid their respects with these gifts, but what does Matthew say? He says they came possibly a thousand miles to worship King Jesus. This morning, these, the story of the wise men teaches us at least three things about the way we're to worship Jesus. First of all, we must worship 
with eager anticipation. If these men were from Babylon or from Persia, again, it means they would have traveled 900, maybe 1,000 miles through some pretty rugged... I've been there, folks. It's pretty rugged country, let me tell you. And they would have had to travel over the course of several months. And we see that there were at least three kinds of gifts that we don't know how many wise men there were. But there were three gifts, and they probably actually traveled with a very large caravan of servants and animals and all kinds of different things to make this journey. But more important than the details of the men or even of their journey was the fact that they believed so much in the coming of Christ that they left behind their homes, they journeyed across the world at this time, following this sign that God had given them, eagerly anticipating being able to stand before Jesus or as Matthew says, to fall on their knees before Jesus and worship the King of Kings. And so they were looking for Him. They were searching for Jesus. And when they finally get to the capital city of Jerusalem, where Jesus' own people should have been watching for Him and anticipating His birth, they said, now where is He? Where is the one born King of the Jews? Not the one that would rise to power, not the one who would become the King, but the one whose very birth made Him the king, where is he? We've been following his star and have come to worship him. Now, if you look at their story, I personally believe that the very act of leaving their homes and traveling to find Jesus was an act of worship. I believe that not just presenting the gifts, but getting the gifts together and taking them across the world was an act of worship. These men hadn't even seen Jesus with their own eyes, but they were worshiping him in their hearts in this eager anticipation, believing in who he was. That's us today. These men weren't Jewish. They were Gentiles like us. And they represent us worshiping Christ for who He truly is because He is born the King. He deserves our worship. In John chapter 4, Jesus Himself told the Samaritan woman that a time is coming when you will worship God not on this mountain nor in Jerusalem, but true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. And just like these wise men were looking forward to worshiping Jesus, they were searching for Him, and then they finally found Him and actually worshiped Him, we don't just have to look back 2,000 years to worship Jesus at that moment in time. We too can actually look forward and worship in eager anticipation, not of His first coming, but of His second coming. We're looking forward to standing before Jesus again one of these days and bowing before Him and professing Him as King of kings and Lord of lords. Secondly, we must worship with earnest authenticity. These men had traveled so far just so they could worship. They didn't have any other agenda. They simply wanted to come and worship Jesus. Now Matthew sets up a dichotomy here between someone who seeks to worship Jesus authentically and someone who doesn't. And so the wise men, they earnestly want to worship Jesus. Again, they've traveled across the world. They've taken time out of their lives. They've brought very valuable gifts for Him. We don't see them getting anything in return other than they get to come and worship Jesus and give Him all the praise that He deserves. And then they go home. They leave. In contrast to that, Matthew gives us the story of King Herod, the other king of the Jews, who should have been watching in anticipation for Jesus, for the Messiah to be born. But he didn't even know when or where the Messiah would be born. He had to ask where this would happen. And he gets word that 
He could have been born, and he sees these men coming from another part of the world. They're looking for the new king of the Jews. They're wanting to worship him, and he is threatened by all of this. His little kingdom is so threatened. And history tells us that Herod was a very insecure person. Herod didn't want to worship Jesus. Herod obviously wanted to kill Jesus. In Herod's life, he killed at least one of his wives, at least two of his sons, and probably many other people who he felt threatened his power and his kingdom. And so when God intervenes by sending the wise men home a different way, Herod goes so far to even kill all of the boys under the age of two in and around Bethlehem. And so what we see is two totally different motives for worship. One didn't want to worship at all, honestly. But he wanted to use the idea of worship for his own personal gain. Now, here's the application from that. It makes us question our motives about worship. Why do you worship Jesus? Why do you personally follow Jesus? Why do you come to church? Why do you claim to be a Christian? Is it so you hope that someday you can go to heaven? Why do you... Why do you wear this title, Christian? Why, why are you here? Do you hope that doing so and coming to church and, and living this life will somehow make your life easier? Listen, Jesus never promised that following Him would make life easier. Quite the contrary. Do you come to church and do you participate in worship because what you get out of it? Because it makes you feel good inside. It makes you feel warm and fuzzy and it makes you happy. Or do you worship, and I mean authentically worship Jesus simply because of who He is? Not because, not because of what He's done for you. That's, that's a whole other topic. But you worship Him because He is the very Son of God. Emmanuel, God with us. As we've said, He's the Word of God that became flesh. Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, the Rose of Sharon, the day spring from on high. He simply deserves our worship. And that's why we worship Him. The wise men worshiped because they knew this babe, this child, deserved it. They believed in who He was. He hadn't even done anything yet. He was simply the one the prophets foretold and God led them to. And he deserved to be worshipped. And notice what they did. That's our final point. We must worship with expressive affirmation. Matthew tells us that when they saw the star, that they were filled with joy, that they were overwhelmed with joy. You see, it should be our joy to worship Jesus. We shouldn't have to come in here out of obligation or a sense of duty on Sunday morning to worship our Lord. It is a privilege to stand in His presence and offer Him our sincerest worship every week. Matthew says they came into the house and they, what did they do? They fell to their knees. See, that's our rightful place before our King. On our knees before Him. And he says that they laid before Him the very best that they had to offer. Again, we don't know how many men there were, but there were three kinds of gifts, and that's where we get the idea that there could have been three wise men. But these gifts, they're not that uncommon, but they are very extravagant. They're very elaborate and expensive gifts. And so on one hand, we see, again, God the Father 
providing for God the Son with these gifts to this precious family, these treasures that they would probably need to make their journey to Egypt and back to the Holy Land as they fled from Herod. But on the other hand, we see these gifts actually affirming who Jesus was. Gold, for example. We know gold is an expensive gift. It's a gift fit for a king. And so the wise men had already affirmed that this child, that Jesus was born king of the Jews. And now they lay before him a kingly gift of gold. Frankincense, it's a type of incense. It was often used in the ancient world by priests during worship. In the tabernacle in the wilderness, for example, or the temple in Jerusalem, there was an altar of incense, and it was tended to by the priest. And throughout Scripture, this, this incense that rises up, it, it represented the prayers of God's people, this sweet aroma rising up to God. And so likewise, Jesus would not only be a king, but he would be a priest, a perfect high priest, the Bible says, and a mediator between God and man. And so the first presents the gift of gold. The second presents the gift of frankincense. And the third says, but wait, there's myrrh. If you don't think that's funny, you come see me this week. (laughs) Myrrh is, you'll get it. Some of y'all will get it later. Don't worry. Myrrh is actually a very strange gift in this case. Myrrh was often used in the ancient world for anointing the dead at the time of their their burial. And so when Jesus later in life was laid in the tomb, we read that the women came early in the morning and brought myrrh to anoint his body. And so when you put it all together, whether these men actually realized it or not, they were worshiping and affirming Jesus for all that he truly was, that yes, he was the king of kings. He was our high priest. And with this myrrh, they were affirming that he was indeed, just as the angel had foretold, he was our savior through whose death our sins would be taken away. And today, just as he did 2,000 years ago, here's what I want us to realize. Jesus deserves our sincerest praise and worship, just like these wise men bowed before Jesus and they laid everything that they, the very best of their lives that they had to offer, they laid it at his feet. We too today should lay the very best that we have before Jesus, our very lives if we have to. Just say, Lord, whatever you want to do with me, have your way and your will in my life. I want to give him the best of my treasures, the best of my talents, the best of my time. And as we wrap up 2021, Guys, it's been a pretty good year. For our church, it's been a wonderful year. God has really blessed us this year. And we've got to see a lot of people come to the Lord. We've got to see a lot of new things happening, new ministries taking off. We've been able to minister to the needs of people in our community and around the world from right here in Barberville. It's been a great, great year. And I'm even more excited about 2022, but I think it would be wise for us To enter into 2022 in the spirit of worship. Worshiping Jesus for all that He is. Stand together this morning as we go to the Lord in prayer. and Prepare to worship Him this morning. Father, we we thank You, Lord. For the privilege to be here today, God, to be in your house, to be in your presence, to be with our 
wonderful church family. God, it's a privilege and an honor to be able to worship you. God, in the same spirit of gratitude and respect and awe and reverence of who you are, just like these wise men traveled across the world to simply worship Jesus. Lord, this morning is we stand together and we sing this simple song. I pray that our hearts would just be poured out to you. That we could worship you in spirit and in truth. Lord, that we wouldn't think about even what you've done for us, that you've saved us. We wouldn't even think about the suffering you endured for us. But in this moment, Lord, just like these men did, we would just simply worship you because of who you are. You are the King. The King of kings. And the Lord of lords. God, may our worship be acceptable and pleasing to you. And God, as we enter into a new year this coming year, may we live with a spirit of worship. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we sing this song this morning. Of course, this altar is open if you'd like to pray. If there's a decision that you need to make. But for the rest of us, I'll just ask that we close out our final service of the year worshiping Jesus for all that He is. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast. Please subscribe, but also join us live in person on the Court Square in Barberville or find us on YouTube by searching FBC Barberville, on Instagram at first underscore Baptist underscore Barberville, on Twitter at Barberville FBC, or on our Facebook page, First Baptist Barberville.